friends. Howdy. It's me, Flip. And I, John. And we are here with a Thursday mini episode of Christian Press. You got just, it. Just so you guys know, right before we started, John had to remind me to say Thursday because, um, because it's who I am as a person. <laughs> so, um, this Thursday, look at me go. I'm gonna remember. Um, we have John here again. Ange is still somewhere out in the woods. Just kidding. She is not. Today she was making ceramic sculpture things. I don't know. Oh, so she found her way out of the woods yeah, today. She found her way out of the woods today okay, and good. she made it to the beach. Look, you see? Interesting segue. You see? Ange is, is really doing it up. I'm glad that Ange gets to go on a vacation. The rest right? Of like, I gotta here. wonder what that's like. <laughs> the rest of us are just here chilling. Ange is on vacation. Um... All right, John. What are you What are you drinking today? I am drinking uh, Applejack and ginger. Yes, as we here in in the Latina Rose household call it, Applejacks. Applejacks. I'm digging the name. That's what Applejacks taste like. It really it, it's spot on, honestly. <laughs> um, John, how was your week? Um. Well. Why are we frozen? Whoa. Oh, that's are we a just, fantastic are we face. Just frozen here. I'm, I'm loving the face I'm making. Let me make sure we're just frozen there and not frozen altogether. Okay, there we go. All right, cool. Continuing on. Uh, well, work's been pretty slow, but uh, caught up on some good TV, which I'll circle back to in a second. But I swear I almost died today. How? <laughs> so my workday starts at like 530 in the morning. Uh-huh. And I get to work, and it's obviously pitch black out. I'm the only one at my yard. And I hear this loud crash out by our dumpster, and I'm like, okay, that was spooky. This is the devil coming from me. Yes, and then I hear more, like, rustling in the bushes and stuff, and I'm like, okay, this is it. This is how I die. Right here, right now. It was just a raccoon getting into the dumpster, which I then had to help out. Wait, you helped the raccoon out of well, the Well, yeah, dumpster? because it was, like, stuck in the corner. Like, okay, it managed like, to... what if it was rabbit, bro? Well, then I would have died. I would have been right. And... My assumption would have been right. John would have accepted death it... right in that moment. I mean, if... <laughs> I mean, what a way to go. Rabbit raccoon. Great. Thanks, Great. <laughs> you told me about that. Um, I, today, have these little tiny bottles of Sutter Home. This one is a rosé. Y'all can see that. And this one is a Pinot Grigio, and I have, um, like, five more of them, so it's going to be a great night. Good times. <laughs> They're just, like, equal to one bottle of wine, so it's really not that much wine when you think about it. <laughs> um, my week, my week, my week. What have I done this week besides work? That's it. That's all I ever do. Listen, how a kid's going to learn a guitar in a month? Yeah. <laughs> one of my kids today said he was going to learn how to play the guitar in a month. He is a magician. Oh. He also said that it was really easy to learn how to play the drums, and I want to know where he was when I was in high school. Right. <laughs> in, in percussion. Um, and then what else have I done this week? Have I done anything interesting this week? We're adults. We don't do anything interesting anymore. I can't think of one single interesting thing I've done this week. I found a new show on Netflix. Okay. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh my god! Actually, you know what? That, that's what I did this week. <laughs> it's 
if y'all haven't checked it out, it's it's really good. It's a bit like what you would see on Investigation Discovery. So Unsolved Mysteries used to be a show way, 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 way back in the day. Oh. Like 80s and 90s, it was a show. And I used to watch it all the time with my grandma. Um, And then now it's like revamped for Netflix. So did you watch the first season? I watched the first season and I'm like two episodes into the second season. Okay. I, this is going to be a major spoiler. Like, if you haven't watched the first episode of the second season, I, and if you have, please chime in here. Like, I, am I the only person who thinks that that guy just he wasn't murdered? John Wheeler or Jack Wheeler? Like, I don't, I don't think he was murdered. The guy that was found in the landfill. Yeah. I mean, how do, how else do you just manage to stumble so, into a landfill? Though? So he has bipolar disorder. Right. He is extremely forgetful, which leads me to believe that maybe he was on, like, early stages of Alzheimer's or dementia or something. I mean, he was, like, just carrying around the one shoe. And he was carrying around the one shoe. And it's very common that people with bipolar disorder have, like, psychotic breaks. They do have mental breaks. So I would think that it's possible that maybe he did have a mental break. And honestly, I do think it's possible that he climbed into that dumpster and there were a couple of police reports it's not reported in that episode but there were a couple of police reports because of course after i did this episode i watched this episode at 1 30 in the morning i had to do research on it of course um <laughs> there are a couple of police reports that say that he actually had a heart attack hmm. prior to all of the marks that were left all of the bruising and the lacerations on his body so i would think okay you fall asleep in a dumpster it's cold middle of the night you crawl into a dumpster we're talking about a man who's in the military so his thought process there might be i can't get back into my house i can't find my car let me crawl into the dumpster at least it'll be warm so he crawls into the dumpster and maybe falls asleep and he's awoken by the dumpster lifting that's enough to send you into a fucking heart attack yeah i mean especially that's kind of if me. you're already in paranoia mode from your mental health disorders and your psychotic break and then all of the lacerations and the and contusions on his body i mean yeah if you I get tossed, you tossed get out of a dumpster and into a landfill out, I not mean, even just tossed out of a dumpster you're tossed you're put into the garbage truck yeah and you know in the garbage truck they have the thing that like smashes up the garbage and shit yeah that's fair so I would think that it's fully possible that that was totally an accident the the only thing that confuses me is the whole smoke bomb situation that happened he like set the, them off himself oh okay case solved he was in a dispute with the people who were building the house because they were building it on a park Hmm. and he felt like the house that they were building was actually going to be on public property not private property so he felt like the house obstructed their view of his public property and it kind of ruined the the park area so he was in the middle of a dispute with them about it. He was really upset, and he voiced to everybody. All of the neighbors knew he was upset about it. So say you set off the smoke alarms, or you set off the smoke bombs. You're already in the middle of a mental break because of your mental health disorder. If he's forgetful, maybe he forgot to take his medication. You're already in the process of some kind of mental break, and then you set off the smoke bombs maybe in an attempt to set the place on fire okay or give the illusion that it's on fire and then you 
And then you, he lost his phone. He goes back to his house. Neighbors are calling cops. He realizes he lost his phone or he doesn't know where his phone is. And he goes into a frenzy. Yeah, maybe it looked like a robbery. But to somebody who's having a mental break, you flinging your stuff all over the place, pretty normal. Yeah. I don't think he killed him. I don't think he was okay. murdered. No, I that's he, that's that's he, a fair... It was an accidental death. That That's a fair argument. Now, the other episodes, I have to rewatch a couple of them. Because I, at that point, I was just so... And consumed and trying to figure out. I mean, that first season was wild, y'all. Like, if you crazy, especially I think it's like the second or third episode. They do uh, an episode about this French family. I think that's third episode. But you know what I'm talking about. Like that one was. The first episode is. First episode was the man who jumped off the building. Yes, that one was confusing. Which I don't understand that case at all. And then the second one is the one where you clearly know that her husband murdered her, but we're not going to get into yeah. that. I already had an argument with many people about it. Okay, <laughs> talk about that one. Another story Who for another time. Who is the, mister, the, the host of Unsolved Mysteries now? Um, there is no host. It's just kind of like... Yeah, it's actually it's just, just like a, a text doc- thing. Yeah, that, it's that just is... a documentary, yeah. Um, there is no host anymore. It wasn't... Was it John Walsh? No, it wasn't John Walsh. John Walsh was America's Most Wanted. Point um, is, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix now. Go watch it. Go watch it's, it. I mean, they're like an hour long each. Mm-hmm. With the, like, uh, we were just talking about the exception, like the third episode or whatever. That, you know, just look, it's um, people speaking French, obviously. But, you yeah. know, it's just good to listen and to. And the third episode or the fourth episode in the second season, it's a bunch of German people. Oh, I haven't got that so, far, so... You do have to deal one. with that. Like they do, then they hop back and forth because they're in German and they're in Bel- Belgium. So it's about twelve episodes between the two yeah. between the two seasons. But it's really good. Definitely really check good. it out. Some wild stories in there. All right. So today, John is going to give us our news. Pass the torch to John, you guys. All right. here. He hasn't told me any of these stories, so I'm here to be just as surprised as Found you Found some, some pretty interesting <laughs> ones uh, for y'all. A uh, little disclaimer. I'm not one who usually watches the news, and can I just say, what the fuck? The news is weird. Especially after, like, reading it all Crazy. the time, and I'm just like, what the hell's wrong with you people? <laughs> like, um, first one we got is a... Uh, a Utah Sheriff Sergeant uh, qu- started questioning a um, a Zion uh, hiker that they re- that he uh, that they rescued. And I'm starting to question what happened because everything didn't really add up. Um, his team was assisting and during a search for a hiker whose name was Holly Courtier, a California woman who went missing on October 6th. Um, she was rescued Sunday from the National Park in, quote, a thickly vegetated area along the Virgin River um, after the National Park, res- National Park Services received a credible tip. Um, apparently, she was fine enough to, like, just basically, like, walk out on her own. Like, they didn't really need to, like, put her on a stretcher and, like, airlift her or anything. So that was, like, one thing that was kind of weird that, like, why wouldn't she just, you know, try to get out on her own? Um, it was noted that she was found about a half a mile from where, uh, the tipster originally thought they spotted her, um, which, um, even though she was found and was able to basically leave on her own, 
Her daughter said that it shouldn't have happened that way. Uh, her daughter claimed that uh, she injured her head on a tree while she was hiking and became very disoriented. Um, couldn't really walk by her, so couldn't really walk at all, a few steps, and then she would stumble. Um, but her daughter claimed that she survived by staying uh, near a, a water source that she found. Um, because I guess she was um, she was a survivalist. She knew that that was probably her best chance, which makes sense. Um, and she was when they found her, she was super dehydrated, which is weird because if you're staying right next to a water, water source. source. Um, but also, another weird thing is that where the search party was was no more than like a quarter mile from where they found her. So like she should the people were calling out to her. She should have been able to hear. Um, And the other thing about the water source is that apparently there was a very highly, uh, almost toxic level of cyanobacteria that would have made her incredibly sick if she tried drinking uh, large amounts of the, excuse me, the water in the river. So... So they're currently investigating what might have actually happened um, while she was quote-unquote missing because it doesn't really add up no i'm very confused by that situation like she apparently went out hiking hit her head she went missing um like i said that was october 6th and they just found her this past sunday so that's what like two weeks that she was out there without any water whatsoever supposedly survive that survived past four days right (laughs) so so maybe she had some water packed with her and she rationed it but her daughter claimed i guess after talking to her mother that she survived off the river which the sheriff the sergeant was like that doesn't make sense because that river is hella toxic with the bacteria that's in it unless maybe she knew you know how like if you go to the camping section of like Walmart or like Bass Pro Shops or something, they have the little like tablets that you can drop in the water and shake them up to. And and not only that, but like Joey and Nikki's mom just bought yeah, a bunch of those, straws. yeah, mm-hmm. life straws and stuff. So I mean, there is stuff that could you know purify it, but it's also the fact that she was found dehydrated. She... Maybe she ran out of. If she didn't have like a life straw and she had the little tablets that you shake up and put in the water to purify the water, maybe she ran out of them. Because I think they only sell like four in a pack. Right. So maybe she ran out of them and then... But then it's also if you're less than a quarter mile away from people yelling your name. But at that point, you're dehydrated. You're probably delusional at that point. Probably, especially if you hit your head. head. Um, So that was was the first interesting... uh, article uh next we have a uh, california cold case murder likely solved with a texas man's arrest this was pretty interesting um kind of just shows uh, how far we've come over the years a uh, texas man was arrested yesterday after dna evidence connected him to the killing of gladys uh Arlano from almost 25 years ago uh, back in January 30th, 1996, the partially clothed body of a 17-year-old Gladys was found at the bottom of a ravine in an area of Malibu. Her autopsy showed that she was sexually assaulted, beaten, and strangled to death. Jesus. Right? Uh, this past Monday, 42, 42-year-old Jose Luis Garcia was arraigned for the uh, charge of the murder. Um, when the body was originally discovered, there was DNA found on the body... 
but at the time, detectives couldn't find a match in their forensic database. Um, so the L.A. police originally started cracking this 24-and-a-half-year-old cold case this past November uh, of last year when they arrested Jose for a domestic assault charge, and obviously they had to take a DNA sample from him and then you know put mm-hmm. it in their database. And then almost a month later, the detectives assigned to the unsolved case unit uh, received a matched... Uh, uh, they received an alert that the DNA that collected that they collected from Jose matched the DNA they found on Gladys. Um, he was then extradited to California on the 14th and was booked on a one million dollar bail. They love doing that to people, man. <laughs> like really sticking it to them, and I, I, I am here for that kind of pettiness. I, <laughs> a million dollars. I love it. I love it. But that's just, I've just found that so interesting that... We have come a really long way, like, scientifically, to be able to figure out who people's murderers are after years and years and years. That's, like, um, a couple of the cases that Ange and I discussed at the beginning of this season where it's been, like, 20-something years since the person has been murdered, and all of a sudden you're finding out who the killer is. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, even, like, look at the Jack the Ripper case. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's just a thing where they're not allowed to investigate yeah. certain things, and there's a whole bunch of bureaucratic red tape and yep. all that kind of crap. Uh, well, uh, next one we got up: uh, human remains were found at a suspected 1921 Tulsa race massacre mass grave site. This one is. Whoa! <laughs> what? I, I had to choose this one because it kind of tied into everything. Yeah. So that is so dope. If you guys haven't watched that episode or listened to that episode, please go back and listen to that episode. Um, Archaeologists have found human remains during an excavation of what is suspected to be a mass gravesite from the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre at a city cemetery. Uh, The remains were found when it was described... The remains that were found were described as an unmarked grave shaft that was about three feet below the surface. Um, a wooden coffin was discovered that was held together with just some basic nails, and uh, there was no headstone. However, a temporary marker was discovered nearby. Uh, last year, a geographical scan of the area resulted in two spots that may, might have contained remains of the city's race riots that occurred almost 100 years ago. And this was the second of the two that the researchers investigated, while the first site that they looked into sometime July earlier this year, uh, just nothing turned up. It was it was a bust. But um, the, the investigation of the site is still ongoing, but researchers are expecting to find a lot more stuff within the coming weeks. Sweet. And you know what? Like, that kind of stuff is really cool because when we were talking about this case, we discussed that there were a lot of families of survivors who were receiving um for lack of better terms reparations for all of this that's really awesome because that means that more people's families are going to be able to find out what happened and that's really really cool and that's another thing that kind of ties back to uh just how far we've come in forensic science so they should be able to identify the body at least Mm -hmm. i mean no matter how decomposed it's been um that is freaking awesome uh, we got one in international news. Uh, two students are facing possible charges over a French teacher's beheading. Yeah, this one's... Um... Let the meat cake, John. Let the meat cake. 
Two students will be facing charges for being accomplices to the murder of 47-year-old French history teacher Samuel Pate on Friday. Uh, Pate was shot and beheaded, and apparently the reason the teacher was targeted was because uh, they showed cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad in a civics class that they were teaching. Which, uh, if any of you don't know, that's like a really big no-no. To... Yeah. So, um... Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Pate was attacked shortly after leaving the junior high school where he taught just outside of Paris. Apparently, he had been the subject of an online hate campaign shortly before his death after showing his pupils the cartoons of the Prophet in his civics class. Uh, these are the same cartoons that sparked a deadly assault on the offices of satirical magazine Charlie... Hebdo, five years ago. Uh, Patty, who was murdered by 18-year-old Abdulak Anzarov, I probably butchered that name, but uh, who, when arrested, had a photo of uh, Pate as well as a message claiming responsibility on his cell phone. Wow. Um, the two students were facing charges of collaboration. They're only 14 and 15 years old. Um, they were they weren't they were just students that went to the school and uh they were approached by Anzarov just hours before the killing and uh they were offered four hundred dollars to point out the teacher. <coughs> wow. Uh the students claimed that Anzarov told them that he just wanted to film the teacher and force him to apologize and that he just wanted to humiliate him. Um there are three others that are facing terrorist charges who are friends of Anzarov. Uh one of them is accused for accompanying accompanying him to buying the murder weapon while another is being charged for driving them to and from the school. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the kids didn't really, you know, I mean. I mean, still. Still. Even even just saying, hey, we just want to go beat this guy up and teach him a lesson, you know. I'm not into it, no. Uh, here's one kind of a message to everybody out there to be safe a uh, New Jersey woman thwarted a kidnapping by mouthing the words help me to alert some cops Um, this past Friday evening a couple was sitting in their parked car when a stranger who identified himself as a cop knocked on the driver's window the phony cop 39 year old Travis Mann told the couple that they were breaking the law by quote being intimate in a public space yeah. <laughs> are they like on lovers late? I mean, they something? were probably like, just the chilling there, <laughs> like just having. They probably just got back from dinner, and they're like, "Yeah, this is a nice spot. Let me just, you know, enjoy just the scenery relax. in beautiful New Jersey, because beautiful that's New something Jersey. we New Jerseyans do. We just enjoy the scenery. Yeah, New Jersey is just so beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> This time of year, you can really smell the, the you can sewage. You really smell the sewage and garbage in New Jersey this time of year. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, man no told... No hate to any of my New Jersey people out there. Yeah, we love you. Um, man told the couple, however, that of course he would look the other way for uh, just a small fee. You know, because... Yeah. Um... Man told them that uh, he was armed and proceeded to order them to drive to an ATM and withdraw money. Upon leaving, Man's accomplice, 45-year-old uh, Paul Dunlop, began following them. After the man uh, of the couple withdrew the cash, the woman mouthed the words, Help me to someone who just happened to be pulling into the parking lot of the bank, 
who immediately called the police. Officers rushed to the scene and within minutes rescued the couple. Man and Dunlop are being charged with kidnapping, carjacking, and armed robbery, as well as uh, other counts. Man is being charged with impersonating a police officer and criminal coercion. So if that's not a PSA for, you know... You guys, please... If somebody comes up to you and just says, like, hey, I'm a cop. You guys are doing something bad. I'll let you off the hook if you pay me. Just go right ahead and call 911 right then and there. Right then and because there. Because at that point, either somebody is fucking with you. There is an imposter among us. <laughs> yeah, there is an imposter among us. Or that cop in and of itself, they're just doing something wrong. So just go ahead and call Either way. I mean, Either and- way. Call nine one one. And like. they were lucky it was just like a like a hold up, so to speaking. I mean, I know people use this for getting people for human trafficking. Yeah. It's so much worse. Please. I mean, it could have ended and like thank God that those this these this other couple just happened to pull into the bank right then and there and this woman was smart enough to mouth help me. You know. And so also a PSA, I mean, always always be aware of your surroundings. Yes. Like Flip says every at the end of every be episode. Be aware of your surroundings. I mean, you never Stop. know, <laughs> you know, when you might see something that's mad sus, so to speak. Yes. As the cool kids say. As I say, that's sus. Um, <laughs> Marissa said popo sus. Popo mad sus. Popo mad sus. <laughs> blue mad sauce. Blue mad sauce. Not all blue. Not all blue. Just that blue. Just was that mad particular sauce. blue. In, yeah, <laughs> that blue in particular was mad sauce. Um, here's a really sad one. Unfortunately, Thanks, John. yeah, <laughs> I'm hitting you guys with some mad feels today. I'm all over the all over the board. Uh, Connecticut dumpster baby released from hospital, suspect in custody. Um, yeah, it's a it's a, a dumpster s- baby. Prom night dumpster baby. No, John. no, it wasn't a prom no. night. No, I'm kidding. It's homecoming season, John. Oh, damn, fuck. <laughs> um, there was an eight-month baby who was found burned and abandoned in a dumpster in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, the child has been released from the hospital and she's now back with her family. Um, the suspect, 24-year-old Andiana Velez, who uh, was believed to be the child's babysitter. Uh, was arrested for abandoning the baby and assaulting the baby's mother. Um, the baby was originally found in a dumpster this past Tuesday, and it was uh, reported that the mother was assaulted earlier that day. This is why you can't trust everybody with your kids, y'all. Like, I mean, I don't have kids, but if you do have kids, like, you can't just trust anybody with your kids. And, yeah, I mean, even if it's a friend, like, there yeah, are people that just, just messed up people out there. With kids. Um... According to court documents, the baby, the mother, and Velez um, were in Velez's car in, outside a gas, a local gas station when an argument broke out. Um, it's not yet known who started the argument and how it escalated. It doesn't fucking matter who started it at this point. You threw that woman's baby in a dumpster. <sighs> yeah. But uh, apparently either Velez or the baby's mother pulled out a butcher's knife. Oh my god. <laughs> which, you know, that's just something I have in my car too. <laughs> Just, well, if you're West Indian, then you have a machete, but not, well, it's not, not a butcher's knife. A machete. I mean, Who the fuck just carries around a butcher's knife with them? I mean, it's intimidating. Popo ain't gonna I be sus that, if you pull that. I bet that would have scared off that sus ass popo. 
Um, but uh, apparently after uh, Velez attacked the mother, she grabbed the child and ran out on foot. Uh, Velez told the police she stopped at a lo- uh, nearby apartment complex where the child was later found, and she put the baby in the dumpster saying that she knew the baby would be found eventually. Uh, hours later, she would be found by a maintenance worker who was throwing away trash and heard the infant's cries. And he like called over some co-workers, and his co- he helped a co-worker into the dumpster, and they got the baby out. And the baby was, I mean, it was, she was alive, obviously, but she said the um, maintenance worker said that she was pink and puffy and just cold to the touch because she had all these burns all over her body, which... It's why? still being DCF is investigating why there were burns all over the child's body currently. Um, See, now, like, that makes me wonder if, like, the babysitter, like, put this baby in, like, a scolding hot bath and mom, like, started to argue with her and was about, like, yeah. I'm gonna slice your ass up. Yeah, for because burning, for boiling my baby. Um, Velez is facing charges including uh, assault, risk of injury to a child, and reckless endangerment. And like I said, DCF is still investigating as to what happened and why there are burn marks all over the baby. Oh my god. Okay. I'm upset. Yeah. I'm upset. (laughs) Um, This next one we got is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, fast food run with school children leads to DUI charge for a bus driver. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Uh, a school bus driver from upstate New York, wait till I get where it is, is facing multiple charges after Please. a having a blood alcohol content over the legal limit while Please. transporting students. Please tell me it was Chilai. LaShonda Griffin, 29, made a little pit stop at a local McDonald's in Rochester, New York. So she could grab some breakfast while she had six students from the Gates Chilai Central School District on board her bus this past Friday. (laughs) The wild part is, is that one of the students took a video and posted it on Twitter of, like, them leaving the McDonald's with, like, the bus driver holding, like, the bag of McDonald's just, like, straight up chilling, like... I need, I have questions, and my questions are, Joey, Lynn, what the fuck? <laughs> Once I read that it was like Rochester and a Chile bus driver, I'm like, yeah, Rochester. Sounds about right. She's probably upset. She probably couldn't get a garbage plate. She was mad as fuck. She was like, God damn it, I just really needed a garbage plate right now. <laughs> I mean, I know I could go for a garbage plate right now. You I'm not going to lie. You yeah. can, And for those of you who don't know what a garbage plate is, it is like... <laughs> garbage plates are carb heaven, okay? Look it up. It sounds disgusting, but let me tell you, it is just... Oh, it's like soul food, but like upstate New, but York. Like upstate New York. It's crazy. If you haven't had a garbage plate, don't you worry. You come... You come, you message me, and Joey will make you garbage plates. We have White Hots in the freezer right now. <laughs> and if you haven't had White Hots, you're missing out. You are. Um, so, like I said, a student uh, who was on the bus at the time captured a video of Griffin leading the group of students out of the McDonald's and back to the bus. Uh, police later found Griffin after the students were eventually dropped off at school. Uh, she was found alone inside the parked bus and was passed out and unresponsive. Uh, It was reported that she had a blood alcohol content way over the New York legal limit. It didn't say how, what her blood alcohol content was, but the sheriff went on to basically say in New York, a blood alcohol 
level more than 0.05% is legal evidence that you're impaired. 0.08% or higher is intoxication. And a blood alcohol content of 0.18% is more or more is evidence of aggravated driving while intoxicated. So like her, she was clearly fucked up. And can she I, desperately needed a garbage plate. She didn't know McDonald's. She needed a garbage plate. I mean, plate. I guess she must have tried, like, getting, like, crushing up, like, a t- uh, hash brown and, like, tried getting, like, a sausage biscuit or something. I was say, and, and then, then you, like, like mush that into, like, hot dog form. And then, <sighs> I don't know. Do they, have, they don't have cheeseburgers that early, but I mean, if they did, then but yeah. But can I also say that school well, starts at, like, salad, seven? So, good God. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like school starts at like seven o'clock in the morning. Like, are you just partying all night that your blood yeah. al- your blood alcohol content is higher than point one eight percent? I gotta like, say, when I worked at the school, like I definitely had some nights where like I was out drinking, and I definitely gotta admit that like you know sometimes you're out drinking and then you like are like fuck it, I gotta go to work, I'm hungover. I mean, it'd but be like that sometimes. Zero point in my life was I like, Did, let me you, go drunk. <laughs> like, yeah, let me drunk drive some kids to McDonald's. drive to school. I, I, I hope at least that the bus driver bought them breakfast or some shit because like. She was probably like, y'all got lunch money? Fork it up. We all go. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, damn. Because that had a road trip began. Yeah. We were just trying to get some uh, white We're hots. just trying to get some Mickey D's. Mm. I'm just trying to get a garbage plate. Um, it has not been stated what her uh, blood alcohol content was. However, uh, just that it was very high. Uh, Griffin is facing several charges, including five counts against Leandra's Law, which is a child protection I was going to say, that's like child neglect. That's, that's child endangerment right there. Which, I mean, yeah, you are driving a school bus with six children on it. At least there were only six. You know what I mean? Blitz, like, blitzed out of your mind, grabbing some McDonald's. It's like and then you six, just seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I mean, you can tell that she was like drunk, drunk. If like she oh, was she unresponsive, was if she fell asleep, she was trashed and unresponsive. Like they thought that she was dead. Trashed. <laughs> Maybe she thought it was a good idea. She was like, you know what, this will work. It'll be all right. Take the kids to school eventually. You know, none of them are gonna. She's probably up all night drinking. She's like, I just need some McDonald's. I need you ever, a sober like, up. You know, you know when you like go to the bar and like you're in like the Uber yes. or like your friend is driving you yes. home. And you're like, you know what? I really need some McDonald's right now. This I'll was Nikki every time we left Crossroads. Sweet. She's like, this was <laughs> this was like pre-pandemic before they got rid of their. Uh, crispy ranch snack wraps which like were just the bomb and i don't know why they don't do them post pandemic but it was every time we would leave the bar nikki'd be like so we're stopping at mcdonald's and getting some snack wraps right and i'm like oh hell yeah we are now that's taco bell for us we stop at taco bell and i'm getting a beefy five layer burrito and a quesadilla see i'm not trying to pay for it the next day though like nah it's not that when you're drunk you really don't pay for it because the alcohol it, it's just yeah but <laughs> But see, I always have to be the responsible one, responsible one, and I have to. See, that's what happens. <laughs> Damn designated drivers. Mm-hmm. All right, and um, to top it off, I left off. I left the best for last. I am uh, doing this a little prematurely. I know it's not Friday, so we can't technically do a Florida Man Friday. But goddamn, this was too funny not do it, to John. share. Do it. 
a Florida deputy performs an exorcism on a child and instructs another to shoot anyone who enters a, the demon-filled home. Buckle up. This case is wild, y'all. <laughs> uh, now, former deputy of uh, Orange County was arrested Sunday after allegedly performing an exorcism on a child and telling another there were demons in, in his home and to shoot anyone who entered. Uh, Christopher Do- Doherty, Do- Doherty, 37, was arrested for Doherty. It kind of looks like Daughtry, but it's like... It's like yeah. the Pillsbury Doughboy and Daughtry had a baby. I mean, I've seen other people say it's Doherty. Okay. Doherty. Doherty. Do- anyway... <laughs> Uh, deputies originally were responding to a call about a residential alarm in the area when they found evidence of abuse in Daugherty's home. Uh, deputies found upon entering the home a girl wearing full body armor, <laughs> a Kevlar vest, and a helmet, and she was lying in the ground in a shooting position with a rifle. Like, she was prepared. Um, there was also a boy armed with a taser and Daugherty standing there with a handgun. Uh, the children and told investigators that Daugherty performed an exorcism on the boy before telling the girl that there were demons in the home and to shoot at anyone who tried to enter. Daugherty was detained and Baker acted and was later terminated from the Orange County Sheriff's Department, but not for trying to perform an exorcism on a child and arming another in full body armor with a rifle, but supposedly for an unsatisfactory performance finding in a separate matter. I don't know how much more you can fuck up beyond trying to perform an exorcism and arming a small girl. It didn't say. It didn't specify the age of the kids. But they were small kids. Yeah, I think they... I want to say one of the articles said they were, like, in the age range of, like, 7 to 10. Yeah. Like, Um, they were in an age range where if this girl actually tried to fire the rifle, she would have gone through the wall. Yeah. (laughs) The super super messed up part was um, that they have still yet to establish a relationship between Daugherty and the children. Yeah. You know, they're like, how do you know these kids? I couldn't find any information on what they even might have fought with the relationship. This is is like a fairly, like, this was what? Sunday. I was going to say, this was like the 20th. This was this past Sunday. Yeah. So. Not even a week ago. I'm going to assume there's more to come. In Orange County. But trust me, if there's more to come, we will cover this in future Wednesday episodes. It doesn't. Thursday. I'm sorry, Thursday episodes. You were were doing so good. I was doing so good. Um because i keep thinking about how we're gonna go back to wednesdays soon eventually yes um yeah we'll cover that in our future mini episodes because it like what why i just could not what happened here? i couldn't not <laughs> share that with you guys because because it doesn't make any fucking sense no. <laughs> what were you doing sir what were you thinking <laughs> and orange county is not that far no it's orlando yeah so like there might be demons in orlando y'all Oh my god, Joey, be careful. Get woke. (laughs) Okay. And that is... uh, That is it for the news today. That is it for the news. So, that was John's first time doing the news, and I just told him, I was like, pick, you know, nine, ten articles, like, give me something comprehensive. And he did a great job, so good job, John. Thank you. 
All right, so on to our main story for today. We're going to be talking about Bunchy Carter, the 1969 UCLA shooting, and the attempt at eradicating the Black Panther Party. Before I begin, Kim said, I hope he can be locked up for quite some time, at least past the election. <laughs> I mean, he was Baker Acted. He was Baker Acted, but Baker Act, they keep him for three days. Yeah. Um, unless there's, like, a medical need to keep them longer than that. But, I mean... Arming a small child and body armor and a I rifle. I mean, I would hope and... that he gets arrested. Like, yeah. Like the, I mean, that's that at least child endangerment. Child endangerment. Or, <laughs> there's got to be something there. And then I I would assume maybe even kidnapping because why? Yeah, whose kids are these? <laughs> like, hide your wife, hide your kids. Um, Orange as, County Police are trying to perform exorcisms. As, as in the dream that uh, Joey, Lynn, and I have all had. Oh, whose kid is this? <laughs> Why is this kid here? He's probably a Trump voter. <laughs> I don't know, but he thought those kids were possessed, okay? Kim Crane shared our stream. Thank you, Thank Kim. You, Kim. All right, so um, this story that I'm going to tell you, as I said, I am going to focus on the beginning at Bunchy Carter and the 1969 UCLA shooting, but I'm also going to kind of talk about the 1969 attempt at eradicating the black panther party there's a lot that goes into this story so let's begin let me put my glasses on so i can see now buckle up buttercup so al prentice bunchy carter was an american activist in the 1960s he was born on october 12th 1942 in louisiana and he was killed on january 17th 1969 he was 26 years old same age as me you guys <laughs> um he is considered a martyr in the black power movement and he was memorialized in the 2015 tv series aquarius i've never heard of that so i don't know so that's a new one for me seems interesting though so in the early 1960s munchie carter was a member of the slauson street gang in la where he later began became a member of the slauson renegades which was a hardcore inner circle of the gang and he earned the nickname Mayor of the Ghetto. Now, when I was researching this, a lot of people said that Slauson had, had ties to, um, like, the Crips. I don't know. Oh, that's some pretty heavy connection. Yeah. It's like saying you're connected to the Italian mob. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I think that's what they said. He had ties to the Crips. And this was Compton is where he was a part of that uh, gang, so I would think it would probably be yeah, the Crips. probably the Crips. Kim says she thinks she saw that TV series. I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. Because from what I was reading on it, it sounds interesting. So I'll probably look it up. Um, something, when, something to do in these quarantine times. Right. When Carter was convicted of armed robbery and imprisoned in Soledad Prison, he became influenced by the Nation of Islam and the teachings of Malcolm X. And he later converted to Islam, and then later he renounced his is he renounced Islam after an encounter with Eldred Cleaver, citing contradictions and the focus on Black liberation struggle. After his release, he met Huey Newton, who was one of the founders of the Black Panther Party, and he was convinced to join in 1967. Um, in 1968, he formed the Southern California chapter of the Black Panther Party, and he became the leader of the group. 
and like all Black Panther chapters, the Southern California chapter studied politics, read party literature, and received training on firearms and first aid. They began the Free Breakfast for Children program, which provided meals to poor children in the community. The California chapter was very successful. They gained 50 to 100 new members each week by April of 1968. Um, the Black Panthers were actually referred to as the greatest threat to internal security by the, uh, by the country um, by the director of the FBI at the time, J. Edgar Hoover. And the party was targeted by the secret FBI operation known, known as Cointelpro. And if you watched our episode, was that two weeks ago? Ange was here. So it might have been two weeks ago um, where we had talked about um, Seattle and their movement. Same, same operation. FBI, Cointelpro. It was revealed in Senate testimony that the FBI worked with Los Angeles Police Department to harass and intimidate Black Party or Black Panther Party members. And in 1968-1969, numerous false arrests and warrantless searches were documented and several members were killed in altercations with the police. Hoover wrote an internal FBI memo in 1969 that, called the, that said that the Breakfast for Children program was the most influential activity for the Black Panther Party and was the greatest threat to efforts by authorities to neutralize the Black Panther Party and destroy what it stood for. The breakfast program was shut down by daily arrests of members, but those charges were typically dropped after a week. Not which is to really such stick a to waste them. of arresting people. Such that's like such a waste of taxpayer dollars. Stop doing stupid shit like that. Um, with the election of Richard Nixon, who basically coined this entire thing, like he was the law of the land at this point. Um, the campaign against the party became more brutal and violent. Black Panther Party offices around the country were shot by police agencies and Panthers were arrested without cause, beaten, killed, and generally subjected to a campaign of unprecedented brutality and abuse. Again, in 69, Hoover sent orders to FBI agents to exploit all avenues of creating dissension within the ranks of the Black Panther Party and submit imaginative and hard-hitting counterintelligence measures aimed at crippling the Black Panthers. In Southern California, the Black Panthers were also rivals of the Black National Group called Organization Us. The group had very different aims and tactics, but often found themselves competing for potential recruits. This rivalry came to a head in 1969 when the two groups supported different candidates to the head of the Afro-American Studies Center at UCLA. So Organization US is a black national group that was founded in 1965. They aimed to, pr to promote African-American cultural unity. They worked to educate children with group ideals and the group ideals revolved around the seven principles of African heritage, which were unity, self-determination, collective work, responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. Now, see, why is it that, honestly, that's the first I'm hearing about them. Like, you always hear because about the hear about Black them. Panthers. Like, I mean, granted, I mean, you know, different different uh, style of doing things, maybe, but... Um, one of the quotes said that, like, us is everywhere and everywhere is us, meaning, like, Black Americans were everywhere and every Black American all over was part of their organization no matter what. Okay. Um, and it's weird that we don't hear about them in history books or anything because they are credited with creating Kwanzaa. 
Wow. Yeah, that's so why kind of don't a you hear big friggin' them? deal. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, again, their rivalry with the Black Panthers started because they had differing ideals. Black Panthers were more... Unfortunately, they were more militant. And Operation Us, they really felt that education was the key to building up black communities. Um, according to a former informant with the LAPD criminal conspiracy section and the author of the Glass House Tapes, and I have to like read that book, um, Lewis Tackwood claimed that Ronald Karenga, who was the leader of Operation Us, he was knowingly provided financial and material support by the LAPD for operations against the Black Panther Party. That's interesting. Uh, Kim said that Operation Us is something that I had never heard of before. Right, no. like it's not something that is ever talked about in school, and I feel like it would be just as important no matter what you're learning. When you're learning about this time period, to when you're talking about the Black Panthers, to also talk about Organization Us. But it's, I think it's extremely important because people are constantly learning. Like, I remember being in American history and learning about the Black Panthers and how kind of like ruthless they were but when you have another organization working against you of course you're going to be ruthless yeah so it's very interesting that they don't talk about them at all and it was probably because well they were it was the LAPD and they yeah. yeah and and it was easier to villainize the black panthers versus definitely a, a group that kind of went against uh the, all of their beliefs. All yeah. of their beliefs. So, during a meeting of the Black Student Union at UCLA's Campbell Hall on January 17th, again, 1969, Bunchy Carter and another Black Panther Party member named John Huggins were heard making derogatory comments about Ron Carnega, who was the leader of Organization Us. John Huggins was a 23-year-old man who moved to L.A. with his wife, Erica. Um, they had just had a child together. He was briefly enlisted in the U.S. Navy before he attended Lincoln University, and he and his wife became deeply involved with the Black Panther Party after moving to L.A. That was really all the information that they had on him, aside from his death. At that point, he was one of um, Bunchy Carter's closest confidants. Um, other accounts mentioned that there was a heated argument between us members and the Panther Party's Elaine Brown. Um, an altercation ensued in which Carter and Huggins were shot to death. Black Panther members insisted that the event was a planned assassination, claiming that there was a prior agreement that no guns would be brought into the meeting. The Black Panther members were not armed, and that organization you. Uh, us members led by Ron Kinnega were armed. Organization Us members maintained that the meeting was just a spontaneous event and there was never any kind of agreement between the two groups. Former Black Panther Deputy Minister of Defense Geronimo Pratt, Carter's head of security at the time, later stated that rather than a conspiracy, the UCLA incident was actually just a spontaneous shootout and the person who allegedly shot Carter and Huggins, Claude Hubert, was never found. 
Now, here's where shit gets a little weird. <laughs> um, during the church committee hearings in 1975, if you don't know, the church committee was a U.S. Senate select committee that investigated abuses by the CIA, NSA, FBI, and IRS. There was evidence uncovered that under the COINTELPRO actions, FBI, FBI had deliberately fanned the flames of division between the Black Panthers and Organization Us. Death See, threats and other humiliating cartoons and letters were created by the FBI and they were sent to each group and made to look as if they originated within the other groups with the explicit intention of inciting deadly violence and division. Now, see, this is another thing that they just don't teach in history and no. I feel like is so much more important, you know, when you're talking about the Black Panthers and the Civil Rights Movement and all that, that, like... I think... And part of the reason why it's not talked about is because they don't want the American government to look bad. Yeah. But then when you really dig into this kind of information, it's like, hey, you guys were not doing the right things. Like, why the hell did you do this? <laughs> like, why would you want all of these people to fight against each other? Especially knowing that the Black Panther Party is armed. They know how to shoot. Right. They know first aid. Like, why would you attack them? They're, they're an army. You know, they're ready to... Um, I, I don't know. And then sending death threats and cartoons and letters to each other. Like, y'all went through a lot of effort. I kind of find that weird that that would be believed that the two groups would believe that, you know, like, oh, the Black Panther sent us, like, slandering cartoons because, you know, that just seems like something the Black Panthers would do. Well, I guess in, in 1960, in the 1960s, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. You would send nasty letters to somebody you hated. I just, I just feel like... Uh, political cartoons are incredibly political like that but would I think just be it's kind of like the same idea or like i guess if it's just now, insulting if, if you, you wouldn't were to think bully about it. somebody you wouldn't send them a letter you'd send them like a nasty like text message or something like yeah and if it's slandering your whole group and everything you right. believe in i feel like you would i guess you would take that pretty personally you wouldn't think oh i mean this definitely doesn't seem like them you know no no way so, following the incident, brothers George and Larry Steiner and Donald Hawkins turned themselves into police who had issued warrants for their arrest. It was reported that none of these men ever fired a gun or even had weapons on them at the meeting. That's mad sus. Despite that information, they were convicted of conspiracy to commit murder and two counts of second-degree murder based on testimony given by the Black Panther Party. The Steiner brothers both received life sentences, and Hawkins served time in California's Youth Authority, Youth Authority detention. So Hawkins was only Wait, yeah, I was about to say Youth Authority. He was only 19, 18, 19 when this incident happened. Jesus. And Christ. George and Larry were twenty one and twenty two. So they were younger than us, and right. Getting life sentences mm -hmm. for really just being at these rallies, right? So now, the Steiner brothers escaped from San Quentin. George Steiner was never recaptured. Larry Steiner survived as a fugitive for 20 years by living in Suriname. Um, he surrendered in 1994 in order to try to negotiate help for his family in Suriname. 
He immediately returned to San Quentin to complete his life sentence, and the State Department reneged on their agreement to let his family come to the U.S., wow. stating that he did not qualify as a sponsor because he was incarcerated. Wow. Unfortunately, his wife oh. died before she was able to come over to the U.S., but his two children did come over in 2005. Um, and basically, his wife and his children lived in poverty until they were able to come over here. And he was paroled in 2015, and to this day, he still maintains his innocence. So, um, in the following weeks, LAPD responded to the attack by raiding an apartment used by the Black Panther Party and arresting 75 members, including all remaining leadership in the chapter. Because um, it's totally justifiable at that point. Right. So... Uh, they arrested them on charges of conspiring to murder organization us members and retaliation, but these charges were later dropped because you have no proof. Yeah. You just assumed. Um, this reaction fueled claims that organization us was being used by the FBI to target the Black Panthers, and as we said previously there are informants from the FBI or from the LAPD who are saying like, yeah, we were definitely giving them funding in order to target you guys. But according to the government, no, they didn't. No, we didn't. We never no, did Why no. would we do that? The government never does anything shady. Ever. Never. It's not like a couple years later, a little itty bitty scandal called Watergate happened. I mean, it's... Do you hear that, CIA agent? You guys never do anything suspect ever. John and I just said it. Never. Mr. FBI guy listening to my phone. I hope Never. you're enjoying the podcast, yeah. at least. I hope you enjoy what we're doing here. Anyway, <laughs> later that year, two other Black Panther members were... <laughs> I'm just saying that they... I, I love how Flip and Andrew are constantly, like, poking at the bear <laughs> that is the powers that be... One like, day. yeah, FBI, CIA, uh, Illuminati, we know yeah, you're listening. Except MLK, right? <laughs> the truth is out there. Stay woke. Right. That's all I'm saying. Is that the government <laughs> would never, ever do anything. Never. <laughs> um, so government later, not sus. No, not at all. Government is not sus, ever. Later that year, two other Black Panther members were killed and one was wounded by Organization Us members. Um, just watched the Chicago 7 and that was crazy. I haven't seen that one yet. I have to watch it. What is? I, I feel like I'm missing something. The Chicago something. 7. It's another one of the... Um, did you watch the documentary about the Central Park 5? Yes. Okay, so similar to that. Okay. John, shh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the Black Student Union at UCLA was shocked by the murders. The chair of communications, Webster Moore, filled the void by reopening Campbell Hall. As the acting chair, Webster organized a central committee that interviewed and facilitated the hiring of a freedom writer from Mississippi, Dr. Robert Singleton, as the director of the Center of Africa African American Studies. 
as the black student union chair webster also served on the committee that brought angela davis as the first black philosophy professor at ucla the black student union also provided a channel for high school students to enroll in ucla and the first bsus were established in participating high schools in december of 1969 Webster and Angela walked together down Central Avenue to bring a halt to the massive shootout between six Black Panthers and over 200 police officers. The Panthers surrendered before they reached them and there were zero casualties. Webster Moore was later beaten unconscious at UCLA by police during a campus demonstration against the killing of four Kent State students. If you guys don't know what Kent State and Jackson State is, please look into that. I don't we're not going to be talking about that this season, but definitely look into that. It's just such a shame. Beaten to death by police. I mean, it, it's honestly scary how they say history repeats itself. Oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't happen now. I have never. So this no. is something that Ange and I, every time we talk about a story like this, this is something that Ange and I touch on because... Yeah, I know about Kent State. Yes, you should definitely know about Kent State. But this is something that every time Ange and I talk about topics like this, it's just like, do you not see this? Like, do you not see the 1960s happening all over again? The parallels are uncanny. Yes, Kim. Kim said she had a teacher that was a student there during that time. I actually had a my um, AP U.S. history teacher, Mr. Murphy, um, he was a student at UNF during this time frame, and he always told me stories about, like, when we were studying Kent State and Jackson State, he always told me stories about how you could see the police officers looking down. So UNF has, a, it's like, a first story here, and then they have a second story balcony, and there's these little coves that are carved out in the balconies, and you would see, um, police officers with sniper rifles, pointing down to students just in case anybody ever tried to do anything like what happened at Kent State. And I was like, that's insane that you're the first, your first reaction is to kill a student. And it's also just mind boggling to think 1969, I mean, my dad and my stepmom, I mean, they're hella old, you know, but like... I mean, you know, they're they're in their sixties and seventies, but this this they were growing up uh, during this time. So if you think about it, it really wasn't that long ago it that wasn't. all this happened. Um, like I, I saw something that blew my mind that like uh, what was it MLK um, Helen Ke- not Helen Keller but Anne, um, Frank. Anne Frank were like all alive at the they same were born time. At the same they were born in the same year. And it's like all these historical figures, and you think that it's really not that long ago. Nope. And that they were alive at the same time. Yep. It's just, it's wild. So, in the years following the deaths of Carter and Huggins, the Black Panther Party became more suspicious of outsiders and became more focused on defense rather than community improvement. The group was marginalized and officially disbanded in 1982. Uh, Bunchy Carter had a son that was born three months after his death, and oddly enough, his son attended California State in Long Beach, where Ron, uh, where Ron Car- Carnego was the chairman of the Black Studies Department. Wow. 
So he ended up having to learn about his dad and organization, us, and the Black Panther Party from the man who, for lack of better terms, organized his father's death. That's... That's heavy. So, let's talk about Elaine Brown. Elaine Brown was a member of the Black Panther Party. She later went on to become the first female leader of the Black Panther Party. She said in an interview that uh, in Southern California, we took some very heavy hits from police. The most striking thing we could start out with was the LAPD forming something called SWAT. That's the most important historically because there were no such urban guerrilla counterinsurgency army-like entities in any other police department prior to that. The LAPD was unique in forming that and set a model for other police departments. Their whole purpose was to attack the Black Panther Party. On their insignia, they have 41st, which references where they raided our offices at 41st and Central. Kind of a insult to injury right there. That's um, messed up. She stated that the attacks on the Black Panther Party started the month before Bunchy Carter's death when Franco Diggs was killed in an alley in Long Beach. To this day, they cannot trace how it happened. Franco was one of the key figures in the formation of the Black Panther Party chapter there in uh, Southern California, and he was probably one of the people who was closest to Munchie Carter. And I'm sure it had absolutely nothing to do with, with what was going on. No, never. Not Sorry. at all. I'm crazy. Don't listen to me. Hoover and other rabid defenders of the status quo were right to be afraid of the Black Panther Party, which was in many ways uniquely positioned to improve the material reality of black Americans. At the core of the Black Panther ethos was a sophisticated critique, not just of the American political machine, but of capitalism, the engine that drove it. According to the part of that, and then all that was according to the party doctrine. They opened community health clinics and introduced initiatives that served to highlight the lack of adequate social services in black neighborhoods. The group's socialist sympathies were a chief reason why they were deemed to be threatening to national security, and the programs targeting them were developed alongside those to um, alongside those like Operation Hoodwinked, which was designed to gut the ranks of socialist worker parties and communist parties in the United States. The group posed a further threat because they were militant, armed, and sought to police the police by patrolling their own communities with guns, monitoring cop activities. Again, parallels right. are just uncanny. Every time I think back to certain things that are going on now, I always say, maybe last season, season before last, I said to Ange... Are we living in 1964 or is this 2020? Because I'm confused. Yeah. That's and, like. And then even the parallel, I mean, you want to talk about digging up the past and now they're discovering all these bodies at the from the mass grave, you know? Yep. I mean, it's like. It's a crazy time. Um, one of the many Black Panther deaths that the FBI had a hand in. Um, none was more dramatic than the murder of Fred Hampton because J. Edgar Hoover was particular con particularly concerned about the rise of a messiah within the black power movement. And Hampton had all the makings of one. 
Hampton was seen as particularly dangerous because he was focused on education and sought to foment a cross-racial movement, extending his message to poor whites. Yeah, how dare you try to unite people and be open-minded. Right. Kim said, I'm concerned that is more than... 1964 and we're going back to 1944 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean hell might even be going back further than that going back to 1920s I was away say, i 19, mean 1918 is where i see us going back yeah like, like, um we just need a, a a century redo i guess i mean apparently we're gonna try again um, Chicago police in 1969 broke into his apartment and shot and killed him while he laid in his bed. The cops fired 90 shots into his apartment. His then fiance remembers hearing one of the officers say he's good and dead now while she lay in bed eight months pregnant while her fiance lay dead next to her. It's not excessive. Police stated that his death was caused by a shootout. Um, but Black Panther Party members um, consider this to be a shoot-in. His murder was ruled as justifiable homicide, and it's considered the gravest domestic crime of the Nixon administration. Yeah, I mean, most shootouts tend to happen in your bedroom in the middle of the night while you're in bed asleep. Yes, the cops always fire 90 bullets into my bedroom while I'm asleep. Uh, Kim said, yes, but to a fascist state if we don't stay vocal. That is true. Um, in the following years, the literal eradication of the Black Panther Party, um, many members spent years living in ter terror. Their relationships and their lives were torn apart by the anxiety of surveillance, the torment of harassment, and in many cases, the deaths of their friends, which is exactly what the FBI wanted. Unfortunately, that's basically the end of the black panther party these people were tormented and harassed and all of their friends died because they were just trying to make a difference in black americans lives and that was and again that's really started 1969 with bunchy carter in in january of 1969 and i'm i'm the main one before it honestly just i'm honestly surprised that like, Fred Hampton's murder, I mean, he didn't become a martyr or anything like that. I mean, it's... I know at a certain point, you know... That's just wild it, to me. And the fact that, like, clearly the FBI had a hand in this. I mean, they're, I mean, they're like, obviously openly admitting it at this no, point. we never. <laughs> uh, yes, Marissa, it is very similar to Breonna Taylor in that. Historical like, parallels. Mm -hmm. It's... It's not okay. I don't know. It's a rough time to for anybody to be growing up in. Yeah. Yeah. As I said to Joey's mom the other day, these 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 Gen Zers, I want to see what they can do. Us millennials, we're we're we have jobs now, and we can't we can't be as radical as we want to be. Yeah, our spirits were broken many years ago. <laughs> Our spirits were broken back in uh, 2001 with the yeah. terrorist attacks. Yeah. But I'm behind you guys changing the way the world runs 100%. What? What what? I'm confused. Can't what? 
I didn't hear the last part. Oh, I was saying that I am behind our, our Gen Zers 100% because us millennials here, I think at some point, as John said, like our spirits were broken a long time ago. We're kind of in this mentality of like, we, we, we were can't shoved make as big of changes as they had the opportunity to. We were shoved into an awkward time period we where were. we had the opportunity to change, but we were in a transitory period and kind of got kind of got crushed in between that. Right. So I mean, it's which is why I say I back our Gen Zers one hundred percent. Like, y'all do your thing. Like, yeah, I try something, and I will continue to fight the good fight by educating people here every week on crushed and pressed stay woke exactly you have to learn about history so you don't repeat history but at the same time that's not to say that fellow millennials and or older generations can't participate no, in to fight the good fight trying to change the world and make it a better place for younger generations to come kim said it's not too late because it's gen x i think that it's extremely important for us as millennials, Gen X, boomers, whatever you are, it's extremely important to educate younger generations because, again, like I said, if you don't know the history, you're bound to repeat it. And 2020 is a prime example of kids being bound to repeat history if you don't actually make a difference. The famous saying that's always stuck with me is uh, history is decided by the winner mm-hmm. and the powerful. So these, these um, I mean, even us millennials grew up reading these textbooks and everything that were full of lies. Yep. And I'm 25 Monday and I'm learning things that I grew up thinking that were totally wrong. Like I learned today about... Um, Black Panthers, Black Panthers, and us. Uh, and us. I have no idea they existed. Nope. Until today, and I am almost twenty-five years old. That's sad. I think what the kids on TikTok did to the Trump rally shows how they will battle the status quo and use tech to undo what they disagree with. That is very true, Marissa. Um, Kim said that history is the most important to share. I love the way you're doing the history. I think, especially with this season and and the parallels, and that's why Ange and I, when we decided to do this season, we made sure that we covered the actual history. Like, yes, we are talking about true crime. Yes, we are talking about murders and things that are technically still unsolved because technically, Bunchy Carter's murder is still unsolved. You arrested three people who had nothing to do with it. But... I think it's very important for us to be able to say, like, hey, do you see all these things that were wrong? How can we fix them? You have people who are members of the FBI, members of the LAPD, who are openly saying, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we organized the deaths of these people. And everybody's just like, nope, just, just shh, we won't write about that. And, and on that. a note of speaking out, if you have a difference in opinion, that's okay. Speak your Absolutely. speak up too. You know, arguments aren't one sided. Arguments are how we learn. There is yin and there is yang. Absolutely. I think I just I had a conversation with um, my mom the other night where I had said, you know, like 
people now would consider like me and Ange to be liberals, but at the same time, I'm like I always have opinions that are on different sides. Right. Of... Yeah. My parents ask me all the time what party I support, and I tell them I don't support a party. No, I have opinions that are on different sides of every on opposite sides of every ticket. Right. I do. Because I, I, I know a lot of people beliefs. hate Trump right now, and I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm not a Trump hater either. I, I also don't necessarily, I mean, there's some questionable things about I all parties. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's just safe to say that there is no honest-to-goodness, uh, truthful, 100% good politician out there. There is... No. There's just bad in everybody. Somebody somewhere always made mistakes. Right. You made mistakes, I mis- made mistakes, Flip, and we've all made mistakes. And I think that it's very important for you guys to be able to voice your opinions. Um, history is written by the victor, but now in the information age, the truth can't stay buried forever. That is exactly that the is point I was trying true. to make. Thank you, um, Marissa, for putting that into a better words. That is very true. That is exactly what I was and trying I to say. a lot of this, like I said, all of the stuff that I researched here is not anything that you guys can't find on the internet yeah flip didn't have to like break into the fbi's database to find out information about this i mean she was literally just sitting on the couch earlier while we were chilling hanging out joey was playing a video game and i saw her you know sitting over there typing on her laptop so i mean it's it's all readily available kim says she wouldn't say that trump is a regular politician because he's not no politician in the past like at least 50 years (laughs) No politician <laughs> since uh, Nixon has been a decent has politician. Has been a regular politician. Let's... Um, and we all know what's wrong with Nixon. So if you don't, definitely crack open a history book. Yeah, what What are you doing? What... Honestly, even Lyndon B. Johnson was not the best politician in the world. Yeah. Uh, well, he only became president because of it assassination so technically since hitler that is very true very true i i would say i i would fight to say that mussolini yep he knows how to incite his followers yeah i'm not gonna disagree with you i have to say that i think i mean there there is a guy all right in our neighborhood i've I took a walk a couple months ago with uh, my girlfriend Nikki, and we actually saw a guy had a flag planted in his front lawn. Um, it was Trump, um, but it was like in the style of Rambo. I kid yeah. you not. I'm sure you guys have seen it too. And I was like, that is the most ridiculous fucking thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And I just sat there for like a good like two minutes, just admiring the the sheer i think joey's mom and i talk a lot about stuff going on in the elections and she will say like she was born and raised catholic i was born and raised catholic as well and the way people worship him is weird to me it is like you know like when you say like in the the ten commandments like thou are not to have false gods above me what are we doing why are you doing that you realize you're just going against the ten commandments right there right there thou shall not have false gods (laughs) 
It's it's right it's right there. I am the one true God. Thou shalt not have false gods. But you guys are doing it, aren't you? It's interesting. It's weird. But I, I, I talked to my mom the other day and I said there's a lot of weird things that happen in this that are happening in the last couple of years where I'm just like how do you take your religious views and place them in a weird spot like that? I mean, not to get uh, too political with it, but there was the whole separation of church and state. And that was like, I mean, hell, I was in elementary, I was in middle school. So, I mean, we're looking at, you know, 10 years, ago, 10, 10, 10, 15 years ago is when it was like ago. super big. And what happened with that? Exactly. Um, Kim said, we are now having kidnapping plots by his followers, kidnapping of Democrat governor and other ones trying to kidnap Biden and Harris. I, too, am born and raised Catholic. Marissa said when we went to vote, there was a sign that said vote Republican. They might not be the best, but the other side is insane. I've also seen a lot of reports, and I actually saw an email today from one of like my friends who received an email from the Proud Boys that said, if you don't vote for Trump, we're going to come after you. And we'll know exactly who you vote for. And, like, he had the email open and screenshot the email and posted it. And even um, the Flagler County Sheriff Staley, he said the same thing. Like, we have numerous reports of residents receiving emails from the Proud Boys. I mean, there are, there are some diehard followers out there. I will say that. I'm not one to get particularly political on anybody. Um, those are two things I usually don't get into is po politics and religion. Propaganda, speech, and repetition can be extremely convincing. Yes. That that's crazy. Um, I don't particularly like to get too political with anybody. I just think that there are... There are just some things that are undeniable. Certain things... I don't even think... On a certain level, it's not even political anymore. It's like, where are your morals? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's really where I get to. Like, I, I was thinking guys, about it. I was like... thinking about it the other day because I had also mentioned it was weird. I was talking about that flag to somebody else, uh, that big Rambo Trump flag, <laughs> that was just honestly oh like <laughs> I like I said, I'm not a, a hater or a supporter, but that thing was just fucking glorious to look at. <laughs> like, it was just. Why are we doing that? <laughs> like but i thought about it and i'm like the last like big i don't know propaganda like causing a lot of merchandise type thing which fun fact if y'all didn't know know this get ready all right the last big like political propaganda that led to like major merchandise was theodore roosevelt the teddy bear yes the teddy bear and if y'all don't know um i forget who it was that he was running against at the time but the uh roosevelt went out hunting and he, they came across a big brown bear, and he refused to kill it. So the person that the, Roosevelt was running against mass-produced these brown bears. He called them teddy bears, saying, look how soft Roosevelt is. And they just it just became a big thing. And I just thought, again, the correlation there, I mean, merchandising, right. politics, I mean... We didn't have all this merchandise for Obama, Bush, no. uh, his father, Clinton. I also think about, like, 
So when I talk about my family, I, I mention like all, all of my different family members. I mentioned my mom, uh, my grandma. My grandma was born in 29. Um, and she talks all the time about Roosevelt and how when you go outside and you're walking outside, you got to carry a big stick. Because Roosevelt made the comment about, you know, walking soft and carrying a big, big stick. stick. Yep. Um, and that's a big thing. Like, yeah. that, and that is a major part of his campaign is that, like, marketing to people. I don't think, I haven't owned, I, I first of all, I don't own any kind of merchandise that supports any kind of candidate one way or another. I mean, I'm I suppose, not that person. <laughs> I suppose me and Nikki own a lot of merchandise that supports Roosevelt because she really likes stuffed because animals. it's just funny. <laughs> like, so, I mean, if you have a collection of teddy bears, guess what? You, you support you're Roosevelt. supporting Roosevelt. Well, that's okay because, you know. Plot twist. That party, tw- that party swap, you know, that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> party swap is okay if you talk about it. Um, I don't know. Just a lot of this is very interesting, and I just think that you guys need to stay educated on the things that are going on because it's extremely important. You're not being political. You're just correlating the past to the present day. Exactly. I think it is extremely important for you guys to just stay educated on what's going on and realize that your political beliefs do not have to equal your moral beliefs. I think that at the end of the day, whatever you believe is morally right and wrong is how you should vote for things. Fair point. Fair and point. I just think that's how it is at the end of the day. I I don't, like, if you guys want to, if people out there want to call me a liberal for believing that humans are human beings and that we should all have rights that are the same and that we should all be taken care of because we were all just fucking humans... Then, all right, call me a little before that. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But I'm not going to alienate other people because a party tells me to. And that's fair enough. <laughs> Thank you for whoever just targeted yeah, that. We're getting lots of heart reacts, you guys. Appreciate it. Wow, so that was that was yeah. a roller coaster of fucking emotions. Jesus Christ. Um, wow. If you guys want to join us anytime and chit chat with us, you can always follow us here on Facebook where we do our live streams and we do read all of your comments. If you guys are not able to follow us when we're live, that's fine. You can always listen to our podcast recordings. They will go up on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Spotify Radio Public. If you have a friend who likes murder, mysteries, and, and histories, and histories, and <laughs> interesting stories, tell a friend. If you have an enemy that you don't like, tell them, you know, the podcast is, is also great. Anyway, yeah, you just know, tell them. Just tell because. anybody. Tell anybody. That'll here. listen. Your yeah. voices count. <laughs> yes, they do. Your voice matters. Um, if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow us there for any kind of information. We're all, we get all it of eventually. Our, yeah, all of our social media is down here. Yeah. That was weird. Oh, but it flips it when I'm not. Okay, so all of it is down here. There we go. That's what we're looking at down here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Instagram. That's where we post just random updates about stuff that's going on in our lives. Um, and we'll also post any updates about 
just cool stuff that we're doing. I'm sure once Ange gets back, she'll have some fun pictures to post from her vacation. Um, we got can, Missing Person Mondays, uh, yes. Florida Man Fridays, All which got a little go taste on. with new story. Yes, your new story. My new story. Um, I had to share that. We're on that Discord. We'll go share everything. Just so you know, I I have mapped everything out. And our last Hunter Killer box will happen the first week of December. So if you guys want any of that information, you guys want to recap, refresh on anything, you can find that in the Discord. And if you don't have the Discord, don't worry. You can just message us and we will send you the Discord link. Um, you can follow us on Twitter where I post news stories, just kind of random stuff that goes on throughout the day. Um, also, anything that's posted on Instagram also goes on to, to Twitter. So you'll find that all there. Um, and that's really... They also have a Patreon. Yes, we do have a Patreon. If you Go guys, ahead and support them there, yes, too. If you guys want to leave us some tips on our Patreon, that would be super helpful. All of those Starting tips, to get merch now. Yeah, all of like those Cool-ass wine glass that Flip showed off last week. All of those tips go towards any of the merch that we create. Um, More designs on the way. Yeah, anything that we create, um, anything that we do here, upkeep of any of our equipment, all of that Patreon stuff. Um all of your Patreon tips will go towards that. Uh, Marissa just wants me to remind you guys that we do have an event tomorrow night for giving voices. Um, I will, yes, I will be singing, but we do have that event tomorrow night. Um, if you guys missed our episode on Sunday, the link for that event was in the comments there, and we will go ahead and share that again later tonight. Um, Com questions comments concerns always leave a comment here slide into our dms whatever and we will let you guys we will answer any questions that you guys have and then yes yay <laughs> i'm just gonna say thank you philippa for having me uh, while angie has been lost in the woods and taking woods her and beach, beach vacation and John, you did a great job. Doing Everybody... all the things that we wish we could do. We are living vicariously yes, through, through Ange right now. <laughs> Everybody, yay, claps for John. He did a wonderful job these last two days. Yay. Um, and then, of course, thank you to The Last Electro Rodeo for letting us use their song, Bronze Age of Horror, in our ending credits. Marissa says you rock, John. Thank you, Marissa. You, you rock, too, for, for <laughs> being here live. Yes. If you would like to learn anything more about the Last Electric Rodeo, any shows that are upcoming, go ahead and make sure you follow them on Facebook. You can also find them at lastelectricrodeo.com. Definitely give them a listen. They are yes. awesome. Good stuff. And if you guys ever want to see any videos on YouTube of Ange doing her cool hula hoops, just, just That's find something them. to see, Last too. Last Electric Rodeo, it, that shit is cool. <laughs> Yes, thank you, John. Thank you, Philippa, for carrying the podcast on awesome shows. Thank you, Kim. Thank, thank you, Kim. Marissa. Um, and then, as always, you guys, please be safe. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of other people. Be kind to yourselves. It's extremely important. Be kind to other people. Be aware of your surroundings, please, yes. as we learned today in the news recap. Yes. Be aware of your surroundings. world is a messed up place. Yes. And don't get murdered. Don't murder anybody. But if you have to... Give us the insights. And too. and final thought of the day. Speaking Go of, ahead. if you, if you were to murder somebody, I'm not saying you are. I'm not condoning it, or you know. But a freshly dug grave is a good place to hide a body. Nobody's gonna go and dig up an already you know buried body. You know the the ground's already disturbed. John has good thoughts there. Not that I would condone. Not that murder, sh ever. right. Never. Never. 
right, you guys. It's the end of our show. So what do we do now, John? Peace out, Peace Cub, out Scouts. Cub Scouts. We'll see you guys on Sunday at 830. With Ange. With Ange, yes. With Ange. Sunday at 830. Bye.